Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we had expected that the heat wave would be officially over by now and we would just be experiencing nice weather. But no, Met Aaron have changed their minds and uh, have, have said no. Heat wave is going to last at least for another day and then we'll return to more normal summer levels. Yesterday, temperatures around the country in some areas hit over 30 degrees Celsius and it was official that Wednesday night, when I, I was talking about this yesterday morning, that I thought Wednesday night of all of the nights I found was by far the hottest and found by far the most difficult to sleep in. Well, Wednesday night was the first tropical night recorded in Ireland in over 20 uh, degrees. And in order for it to be a tropical night, I think it has to stay at 20 degrees uh, Celsius. So Wednesday night was was certainly officially the hottest night of, uh, of this entire little heat wave that we've been having. Temperatures are going to remain higher than expected across this weekend as well and that has led Met Air and the yellow temperature weather warning that was due to finish at 9 o'clock this morning that's been extended until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and they are expecting temperatures around the, the country to go into the high 20s if not even touching on 30 degrees uh, today but Met Air and, and I just mentioned it there in the forecast are warning that there are likely to be thunderstorms uh, in the parts of the country particularly with us here in the south and the southwest the rest of the country though expected to remain relatively dry uh, throughout and then across the weekend really pleasant across the weekend temperatures kind of around 25 degrees for Sunday 23 to 26 degrees for Saturday and then after the weekend next week the temperatures will be back to normal summer temperatures so we'll take that we'll take the normal summer temperatures but uh, certainly the heat wave is remaining in place and the weather warning for those very high temperatures with us for another 24 hours and of course the one thing that this wonderful fine weather has done is people have taken to the beaches people have taken to the waterways and with people taking to the waterways comes the real sad tragedies and lots of the papers picking up today on the fact that two men and a woman tragically died died following three separate drowning incidents over the last 24, 48 hours. A young woman in her 20s drowned in a county cavern lake. It's believed she was trying to rescue her little boy. It's just such a dreadful, dreadful uh, tragedy. And then separately, a man in his 70s, he drowned while snorkelling at Spencer Harbour in County Leitrim. The alarm was raised at about nine o'clock 
at night when the man failed to return to the surface and his body was recovered a short time uh, later. And then it was reported yesterday that a third person had also died on Wednesday after entering a lake in County Fermanagh. A PSNI spokesperson confirmed that a 55-year-old man had tragically died following the uh, incident at Loch Melvin area of Fermanagh for, for they were uh, three cases that happened on Wednesday I think earlier in the week as well there was uh, teenagers had uh, tragically drowned we just people have to be so careful and I know Water Safety Ireland were out saying the majority of uh, drownings 62% of them occur in inland water sites we have a tendency to think that drownings are all going to happen at sea but that's it's not the case 62% of them in inland water sites and I saw John Leach of, of Water Safety Ireland, who we've often spoken with here in the programme, saw him on the news uh, last night just warning people to be, because we have this, you know, the weekend is going to be busy again, you know, beaches and waterways are going to be a bit busy and families are going to go out, all going out, intending to have a wonderful time, but you just need to be so uh, careful. And if you're heading by the sea, the inflatable, the lilos, keep well, well clear of those. And we've been warning and warnings have been issued about those for quite some time. And yet every time I seem to see photographs on the paper or if there's film footage taken from the beach, particularly during this week with the with the heat wave, you could see in the background people heading out to sea with the, the lilos so just don't be if you want to bring a lilo with you fine for lying on the sand for doing the sunbathing but don't bring it in uh, to the water but just mind yourself and be careful around any kind of water if you're at the sea or even if you're inland as well and of course if you are heading to the sea it's to try to go to any of the beaches that have our wonderful lifeguards and Cork County Council have been amazing as indeed have local authorities all over the country because they are the ones who provide and pay for the lifeguards it's Irish Water will train them up but it's the responsibility then of the local authorities to put them in place and by all accounts it seems they've put on extra lifeguards on the beaches uh, where they have been stationed because they notice how busy it's been over the last uh, week so when you go find your beach with the lifeguard and of course always fly in between the two flags and obey everything that the lifeguards tell you to do John Paul taking your calls this morning at 1850 text and whatsapp to 0862103103 and yes I do have another smart speaker to give away on the programme today at some stage I will give you the cue and it's only then that you text or WhatsApp. Please don't text or WhatsApp at any other time because it doesn't get entered into the draw. And then one lucky listener will join me on air. And by now, hopefully, you all know the winning phrase, which is play C103. That's the C103 smart speaker giveaway with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Another wonderful smart speaker to give away uh, today. And we are keeping a close eye on what's going to happen with indoor dining. The Thonish City of Aradkar has pledged that regulations for indoor dining in restaurants and service in pubs would be published in time for this weekend. Now, I think most of us think once Friday comes, that is the weekend. Where are these regulations? The restaurants and the wet pubs due to begin service indoors uh, once again from July 26th, which is next Monday. And Michael O'Donovan, when I spoke with him yesterday, he says he's expecting to throw open his front doors at half ten next uh, Monday. So they're all getting 
getting ready. It's all part of the latest phase of the lifting of restrictions, but they need the guidelines, they need the rules and the regulations. Now, we do know that it will be for people who are fully vaccinated and accompanied minors will be allowed to avail of indoor hospitality. But it seems last minute discussions involving the Attorney General government officials and Fault Ireland and Fault Ireland will be the ones who put the guidelines who will get it out to the hospitality industry they were still being held yesterday to try to create this set of rules for in, for the reopening of indoor hospitality the regulations are due to be published alongside a separate set of operational guidelines for businesses from Fault Ireland Leo Varadkar said that they were working full tilt to get the regulations across the line but it's understood that outstanding issues including which official documents can be accepted to show immunity or recovery from COVID-19 and I think that's going to be the big one that people are going to have a problem with people who have been vaccinated will either have a vaccination card or will have their digital COVID certificate but for people who have who have recovered from COVID-19 it's going to be hard for them to prove because we know they've been having problems trying to access their digital COVID uh, certificate while the regulations we now know will not include a time limit for customers there will be stipulation that there can be no bar service you have to order from your table same as the last time and closing time is at half past 11 last orders at 11 and everybody out by half past 11 children will be allowed indoors must be accompanied by a parent uh, in order to dine indoors and Leo Varadkar said the reasoning behind that was that they didn't want to separate people parents from their uh, children. He agrees that there's a certain risk in allowing unvaccinated children into the indoor settings but he makes the point that some of the staff who will be serving you will also be unvaccinated uh, but they are still retaining the rules around masks. You'll have to wear masks if you're walking anywhere. You know, if you get up to go to the toilet or when you're walking to be t- brought to your seat, you need to have a mask on. It will be tavis, table service only. You won't be allowed any more than six at a table. And they're still looking at keeping the tables two metres apart. So Leo said, look, there's a risk in bringing unvaccinated uh, children in. But at least when they're inside, they will stick with all of the rules. That appeared to certainly work last uh, summer. But some would say, yeah, Patricia, last summer, we didn't have the Delta variant which we know is highly contagious and I would come back and say but we didn't have so many people vaccinated uh, either. Anyway uh, Leo Varadkar believed reopening indoor hospitality to the vaccinated he reckons will be relatively low risk and we just have to hope and pray that Leo Varadkar and everybody else is right and that it is relatively low risk. The policing authority they're getting in on the act they're saying they have a lack of uh, clarity. They don't know what's going on. Leo Varadkar says to the Gardaí, holds your wish, don't worry about it. You will get the clarity. They'll obviously get clarity at some stage today. Leo said that the Gardaí may, may have a role to play if they're called in the event of somebody being unruly. We were already told earlier on that it won't be up to the Gardaí to check somebody's COVID status and whether somebody is vaccinated or whether somebody has recovered from COVID-19. But I suppose if something kicks off in a pub or at the door of a pub and somebody is refusing to show a certificate or is insisting on going in, the publican will be or the restaurateur will be well in the right to call the Gardaí. So I suppose it's around that that the Gardaí want clarity. And I know the Attorney General, Paul Gallagher, only last Tuesday raised concerns about the lack of progress 
in developing the regulations for indoor dining because, you know, here we are on Friday morning at nearly 20 past uh, 10 and in uh, at this time on Monday morning, pubs will be ready to throw open their door and to think that they still don't have the regulations and the guidelines from Fall to Ireland. It really is just adding, I think, to the stress levels of all of the owners. And the latest we have on it is that the final meetings to agree the legal rules for the indoor dining taking place this morning. And uh, it's hoped then that the regulations will be published. They're just saying later today, don't have a time span on that. And that then will be followed by the operational guidelines for the hospitality sector. So Fall to Ireland will have a a lot of work to do from when the regulations to finally dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and then getting it out to the hospitality sector. So, so as I say, we'll keep an eye on it this morning to see if anything breaks. But later today leads me to believe it's going to be well into this afternoon before those uh, guidelines are in place. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 It's bringing me out the dark Finally I can see you crystal clear Go ahead and sell me out And I'll lay your fish See how I'll leave with every piece of you
That's Adele on C103 and rolling in the deep. Michael says, Patricia, hi. There are a number of unvaccinated Irish people in Spain who have ended up testing positive for COVID while they were out there on holidays. They now have to remain in Spain and uh, self-isolate for 11 days, which must be an absolute nightmare. And all that you can hope and pray is that they're not feeling that unwell. But can you imagine being that far away from home and you're self-isolating in a hotel room and if you're feeling miserable at the same time that is uh, tough. I actually saw a number of people who a number of the people from the UK in particular who were trying to get out of the Balearics last weekend Ibiza, Mallorca and Menorca because they put that on the Amber uh, list and of course if people didn't get home by I think it was 4 o'clock on Monday they would have to have quarantined for 10 days when they came back so there was a big push for people to get their flights get home uh, to the UK so people were going for PCR testing and the number of people that I was seeing on Twitter saying they went for their PCR test to discover they had picked up COVID while in Ibiza or Mallorca and ended up then they weren't allowed on the plane that they had to stay that's always the danger though when people travel unvac- unvac- particularly unvaccinated anyway back to Michael's text he says the Delta variant is now more infectious than the smallpox ever was every new variant becomes more infectious than its predecessor we're now seeing one of the most infectious diseases that we have ever seen. The question is, do vaccines work? Of course they do. Vaccines protect us from getting it, protect us from giving it and protect us, if God forbid you do pick it up, it protects you from getting very sick. Wearing of masks is also very essential for everybody's safety. Epidemiologists now say that the Delta variant creates a thousand times as many viral particles in your nose than any other variant of COVID-19 has done to date. So in your own spirit of safety and for the safety of others, will you please wear your mask, says Michael. Well said, uh, Michael. And when you're wearing your mask, will you please wear it correctly? The amount of people you see walking around with the mask just covering their mouth and their nose is out and it's in the nose that Michael says the epidemiologists are saying a thousand times as many viral particles so not covering your nose is kind of defeating the purpose and to the people like this particular text saying hi Patricia fully vaccinated for two to three months now and I didn't get my COVID digital certificate I tried ringing them but waiting too long so as I, I got cu- cut off we're saying to people you only ring the digital COVID certificate help line. The advice is you only ring if you're travelling in the next 10 days and you need it, need it for travel purposes. Uh, once the travel side of it I think eases off a little bit, I think you will have more ease getting through but at the moment uh, it's almost impossible uh, to get uh, through to them I mean we gave the stats yesterday for Monday and Tuesday the first two days of it 93% of the calls were going unanswered so unless you are are travelling in the next uh, 10 days hold off because it is looking like and we'll know more with the guidelines today for indoor dining you won't need the digital COVID certificate it is looking like your vaccine cert you'll be able to use that instead if you want to go for indoor dining and I know it's frustrating when you hearing everybody else getting their COVID cert and you haven't got yours. John Paul taking your calls 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, some people who have free travel have been facing problems trying to board buses and trains because their public travel pass has expired. Cork Northwest Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan raised the issue in the Dáil last week and he joins me to let us know how he got on. Good morning to you, Andreas. Hi there, Patricia. Uh, Good morning. You're welcome to the programme. Now, the free travel pass is on the person's public service card. Now, have many of these cards expired during the course of the pandemic? Well, it, it surprised a lot of people uh, that have been raising it with me that we, we were getting co- uh, calls and queries from a number of different areas, uh, people where they were they wouldn't have had any reason to expect their free travel status to have changed or that there would be an expiring date or anything on it. Now, it is printed on the card, but they would have been expecting to drive on business as usual. And they were surprised and embarrassed and awkward when they were stopped and told that your card is expired. And we were getting them, picking them up in both offices, in Ballincollig and in, in McCroom as well, and um, raised it with social welfare and with the, the Taoiseach directly in the in the Dalden as well. But why wouldn't there have been replacement cards sent out to these people uh, or an extension on them? They wouldn't have had any reminder. In fairness, people don't expect to become ineligible for the free travel. If you're on the pension, you expect to be able to, uh, th- that your status won't be changing. And, you know, they, it wasn't just on the day itself that you would be, challenge on it but you would kind of when you knew the expired status then you would be reluctant the following weeks to be travelling unless you had dealt with it you know so it was more than just on the day issue uh, and raised it that surely uh, social welfare should have been able to reissue cards they have all the details on people uh, and in fairness the, the Taoiseach acknowledged the issue uh, that there hadn't been any reminder letters issued since around March and that they, they were starting back into doing the interviews again, but that there was also going to be a call centre number available. I think that's much handier for people that you don't have to be going in for to get a new photograph taken or anything that you can get yeah, but, but, the extended but, card. But, but I know throughout the pandemic, exactly what you were talking about, we had some calls here from people who couldn't, you know, went to get on the bus. I mean, there was one woman in particular got on the bus in West Cork and no problem with the card, even though the card had expired, it was accepted. But then it was on the return route mm. that a different bus driver said, no, that card has expired. And luckily there was a really nice person who jumped up and paid for the poor woman's bus ticket. But she was mortified that it had even happened because we were told that trans- the National Transport Authority, that we were told that the expired cards cards would be accepted because it wasn't the person's fault that their card couldn't get renewed. That, that's right, yes. The, and the teacher confirmed it that the NTA are to accept uh, that the agreement is now in place that people with the expired cards would be acceptable and in fairness to a lot of and you have to give credit to a lot of the bus people uh, they were uh, allowing people on and pointing out to them but like once you knew then as well that your car was expired that people were reluctant to be travelling again yeah, next week and yeah. the following week as well as being caught short there on the day as well and, and you know there was goodwill from people for being able to, to, to pay for 
uh, pay for the ticket as well. But um, okay, so, you don't but, expect so, to be losing that status. Yeah, um, and I suppose it's it's a cautionary tale as well for to let people know that there is an expiry date on your public services card, which I think a lot of people weren't aware of. I think that that took a lot of people by surprise, very much so, all right, yeah, because you would have been expecting once you had qualified and you're up and running on it that you don't need to be going to the hassle of getting it renewed again, especially when they have all your details. And the, the expiry date is printed on it, but you don't you don't normally expect that that no. would become an issue or that even replacement cards would have been issued in the meantime. And there weren't. Reminders or replacement cards weren't coming. But now I think that that's, that's more clarified that the expired cards will be accepted and people have the opportunity of engaging directly with social welfare or with our own office for to get an extended card where you don't have to get the photograph or anything taken. They'll replace it for up to, to three years because they already have your details. And that's phoning in on the, on the they give a, a new hotline number on it as well. Can you, can you renew it online? That option is there as well, yes. But what I find is that if you're renewing your card, you're ending up going in with a making an appointment and going and getting a picture and so on. Whereas I think it's more convenient being able to 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 phone in to them and being able to get it extended. You don't have the hassle of the new picture and the yeah, okay. And, the and also, and so just on. just to point out to people who have a public services card, because of course you use your public services card uh, to access social welfare payments, even though it was expired, that didn't in any way stop you collecting a social welfare payment. That's right, and it it added to to the surprise for people um, because you know they expected that everything that their status would not have changed and that they would have been continuing on business as usual, um, and that. Then suddenly this flashed up as a, as an issue uh, when they had plans for the day or for the week ahead. Um, so the, those cards are being accepted. Uh, NTA have an agreement in place and the bus drivers, in fairness, uh, a lot of goodwill there and they're reasonable people. They have been uh, facilitating people on it as well, even though that they were highlighting the issue was there. Um, and, you know, um, getting the replacement card is more straightforward now um, without having to, to make the appointment on it. Okay, so, so that where... That's a positive outcome on it. Okay, so where do people need to ring? Uh, there's there's a helpline, there's 1890 927 999. Uh, that's 1890 927 999. Or else our own local offices in McCroomer and Ballincollig were able to, okay. to follow up with people. All right, there as well. and just for people to check their public services card, as I say, I think attention was only drawn to it when somebody went to get on a, a train or a bus, because as I say, post offices certainly haven't been making, haven't heard of anyone who wasn't able to pick up a social welfare payment because their card was expired. That's right. It was at the worst case when people were planning a journey uh, and heading away maybe for a break for to, to visit family or uh, shopping or wherever. Okay. Uh, and you know the way people have been you know, held back for so long and the opportunity for to travel was there. You know, for that to be trimmed or curtailed was that bit more frustrating for them and, you know, of course, being caught in the queue then as well and being challenged on it was awkward and embarrassing for a lot of people as well. Plus, they may not have had the fee okay. uh, for, the, for the bus. All right. OK, Andreas, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. 
All right. Good sure, morning thanks. to you. Take bye care, bye. Everybody. That is uh, Cork Northwest Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan, 1850 333103. And thanks to uh, Helena, who was listening to me earlier on talking about uh, some texts and calls that we're getting in from people who still haven't received their digital COVID certificate. People getting frustrated because they can't get through on the helpline. Uh, Helena said, I, like so many of uh, your listeners, also hadn't received my digital COVID certificate. So last night when I put the kids to bed, I decided I'd do some investigation myself. I decided to go through my emails. I've got a Gmail account and I normally view my emails on the phone. I decided to click on the tab called Promotions. There was lots of emails in there from Netflix and Amazon, etc. And then lo and behold, in the middle of all the other emails was my digital COVID certificate. I was about to ring the helpline, but held off as I knew that the lines were all so busy. But little did I know, I had my search all along. It had just ended up under the promotions tab. Yeah, because we were telling people to check their spam folders as well. There's a lot of, and there can be another, I've got another folder, I'm sure, on my Gmail that says social, that often emails bounce into that as well. So Helena said, it is good to check all of the different tabs, particularly if you've got a Gmail account and just look to see is your digital COVID certificate there? Because we were told that only about seven and a half thousand of the emails, for some reason, there was an incorrect email address bounced back, but almost a million were sent out by email. So that's it's a good tale to tell, Helene, and thank you for that. For anyone who's still waiting by email, just to check all of the folders in your email account just to see it could have gone into a different folder rather than your primary one. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Now in a little over an hour's time, the opening ceremony for the Tokyo Olympic Games will get underway. This will certainly be an Olympic games like no other, especially as no spectators will be allowed to attend. Trish O'Donovan, mum to Paul and Gary O'Donovan, had hoped to be one of those spectators. Sadly, it was not to be. Uh, Trish joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Trish. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Are you absolutely devastated that you (laughs) Were you looking forward to a trip to Japan? Why else would you go to Japan only for the Olympics? <laughs> we were, yeah, we were. We were absolutely just, just, just devastating. And was there many from the area, do you know, planning to travel? Oh, I think all the parents of the athletes were going to travel. So there would have been a great gang there of There would you. have been a right lot of us over there, you know, would certainly would have been Skabrine taking over Tokyo. <laughs> um, with, you know, before there was only... There was really only ourselves and um, Claire Lamb's parents that were in Rio. So we had a very small Irish contingent um, um, going to Rio. So this time we were really thinking, oh, this would be great. It'd be great atmosphere. We'll have everybody on the course shouting and screaming and making noise like we do best. But it's not to be, just not no, to be. So no, listen. No. So we'll look at the positives. They're, 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 they're all out there. They've, are they settled in well? Have you been speaking to them? How are they getting on? They're getting on very well. So they are. Yeah, they're all, they're good. The farm is good. And, um, you know, the training is going well. And they're just eager now to get on the water. Once they, you know, it's like anything. Once you start into something, then you're, you're, you're there. You're in the zone then, you know. And weather-wise, it's, it's very hot in Japan. Weather-wise, about 30 degrees. Is okay? Yeah, but the humidity apparently is is terrible. 
Yeah. And the, there's, ter- there's different winds. The winds keep changing on the course. And that um, overnight there when Sunita and when um, the lads, the men's double were rowing, I think the wind was changing all the time during the heats. Yeah, because I saw, um, even though, I think Sunita won her heat, but she she was saying she felt there was still room for improvement. I mean, I know when when she rated her performance as okay, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. gives you hope, okay, I hope that she'll, she'll, she'll go faster for the men. Oh, she she's through to the quarterfinals. She wasn't the fastest boat um, on the water this morning. Right. Um, so she wasn't, but Sunita has it in her. Yeah. And then the others. Have you the times? Have the times just been released? Is John Paul telling me the times are just released of Paul and Finton at three a.m. That's tonight into tomorrow morning. It is. It is. It is. It is. Now I, I think John Paul said to me that they've just changed them. My understanding was that they were about twenty past three, okay. but they are thereabouts. But okay. they're they're within about an hour. The lightweight start. Um, Emily Hagerty and Margaret Crimmen. They're starting in their heats. There's a couple of heats there. Then they move on to the um, the lightweight men's, and then they move on to the um, the, the women's four, which has got Emily Hagerty from Affidown as well in that boat. So they're all happening this evening. And what's but, what's the plan? Will you go to bed and get up, or will you just stay up? No, I'll have to go to bed. Would I'm you? a nine o'clock be in bed kind of person. Okay. Um, so there's no hope in hell I would be able to stay up. Uh, last night we went to bed and we set the clock for 20 past one because the racing was at half past one. Um, well, the heat was starting at half past one. So, yeah, so we got up then and uh, watched the two of those heats and came back to bed. So, yeah, we'll do the same this morning. You couldn't stay up. Until four o'clock in the morning, I'd be dead. And I definitely wouldn't want to sleep through the heats. <laughs> and, and and like you were there in in 2016 I know. and you were there when the boys won the won the the silver is it is it a day that you'll never ever forget Trish never forget and to this day thinking about it it's so emotional just thinking about it I, you know and not to be there was heartbreaking oh no but they they know you're with them in spirit oh they do yeah they do yeah they know that and West Cork, by all accounts, awash with flags and oh skibbereen. Oh my goodness, West Cork. They must be all in skibbereen. <laughs> so they must. Anyway, the, the town has gone crazy to be watching a wild drive around it. They've done wonders, so they have. Um, the beautiful square there and the, and the bridge, if you know skibbereen on the bridge. I do, yeah. There's a lovely seating area there. On the back of all that seating area, they've carved, they've put carved um, boats with oars people in them as the back, on top of the backrest. They're gorgeous. They're really, really after pulling out all the stops in support of the rowers. And any wonder, with seven from Skibbereen Rowing Club going and, uh, there at the minute, plus Dominic, it's fantastic. It's, it's, I don't think any other club in there anywhere has there, that I, I wonder, is there a club in the world that would have I don't think have in that? the world, I'd say. And, and when you think about it from, you know, a small town like Skibbereen, I mean, I know we joke about, God, there's something something in the water <laughs> in Skibbereen, there's something in the air, but there isn't. There's just grit and determination. There is. And, and, and you know the work that goes into getting to the standard that yes. that team are at. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You have to. You have to put the work in. But when you think in 2012, Ireland only were able to qualify one boat to go to the 2012 Olympics. Okay, 2012. They qualified three in 2016. Okay. And now this year, there's six boats. That's unreal. That's unreal. Go from one to six in in a a three-year cycle. It's just unbelievable. 
Yeah, but I think all the hype around the boys' win in 2016 <laughs> as well helped. I mean, that was, I mean, with the pull like a dog. We'll all remember pull like a dog. And no doubt Paul and Finton will be pulling like a dog. Now, look, Gary is over there, but he's a reserve, isn't that it? He is, yeah. Same as Lydia. Lydia's a reserve for Margaret and, and um, Aoife as well. And Daryl Lynch is the reserve for um, Ronan and Philip. Is that, oh, yeah. is that but tough? they even have reserves. Yeah, but when that, we went, there yeah. was just Gary and Paul, and if anything happened, there was no one to get into the boat. Yeah. God help us! And, <laughs> but they didn't need. But it, is it been? It's been reserved tough, or is Gary I, okay about it? Uh, he's okay about it. He's, like, they, it's not as if this was sprung on them. They knew all the time, and you know, even when they came back last time from Rio, and I remember they were up in uh, the Late Late Show, and Ryan Turbidy said. And what if, you know, somebody faster comes along? Would you, would you give up your seat? And they said, of course, because you want the fastest boat to go out there. Yeah. So they knew all the time that if somebody faster comes along, then that's it. You're only as, as good as you, you know. Because you can row and then someone else it. is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, they know, they know that. And you have to take the good with the bad. That's sport, though it is, you know. And are they talking about, is it, because they're in the Olympic Village and, you know, they're one of the few that can do, can do the compare and contrast of what it was like. Is it very different this time? Oh, very different. Is it, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very, very, nothing compared to what it was. Um, they can't mix with any of the other um, countries, whereas, you know, they could sit around and sit with any, have their, their breakfast, dinner and tea with any of the other countries they wanted, any of the athletes. No, they have to stay together. I'd say they'd be glad to see other people when they come home. I know. And it looks like most, once they're finished, they just get out. Get, 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 get they go back hours, home. they have to be gone. Is that it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. And you'd love to be able to stay around and watch everything else that's going on. It's Yeah. 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 It's, even even watching the, the opening, I don't think it's just not going to be the same without the, particularly without all the spectators, because that adds to the atmosphere. That's it what, adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, that's what makes it all. Um, last time, again, of course, I keep, you know, going back to Rio. Gary was the flag bearer for he the was. closing ceremony. Yeah. This time, they won't even be there for it because the minute they're finished, they're gone. Mm. And they won't even be travelling as a team. They'll be all coming home in dribs and drabs because, you know, the swimmers aren't until next week and, you know, different things are happening. Um, what do I call Phil Healy there? She's not starting until next week. So they'll be all coming home at different times. So even that scene at the airport when they all come out with their medals, we can't even have that. Oh, what a pity, what a pity. Listen, all we want is the medals and I'm sure, we're, I'm sure they're going to bring home some of them. Well, Are once, you, once they come home safe and don't pick up the virus, it will ab- be the most important bit. Mammy is absolutely 100% spot on. And Camille, are you already planning for Paris 2024? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We have to. Now that's, the, it, you know, hopefully they'll have control of the virus by then and will. we'll all be vaccinated and probably topped up every year or whatever. And that's closer to us and it's a nice classy city and the food is good and the style is fantastic (laughs) and you look beautiful walking down the Champs-Élysées in Paris. (laughs) Listen, we'll keep in contact with you throughout the Olympics and enjoy it, Trish. We're going to do the best we can. Uh, We can't have an Olympic party because we, you know, we'll we'll get fined by the government. I know. We'll we'll have one into the future. I guarantee (laughs) you that. You mind yourself. Take care. Patricia, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful uh, Trisha Donovan joining us from uh, Skibbering. God help her. Heartbroken that she can't be in uh, Japan, but we're wishing all of the gang, everybody involved uh, with the Olympics and, and Cork. West Cork, I mean, seven coming out of Skibbereen uh, Rowing Club between the four athletes.
two reserves and the one coach is uh, incredible because we have a number of Cork athletes representing Team Ireland in uh, Tokyo and we wish each of them and everybody involved in Team Ireland the very best of luck. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A couple of people have been on about the very same thing so I think it's worthy of a mention including Liz to say absolutely crackers what is happening in this country. The thought of them trying to close down two soup kitchens in uh, Dublin and then Mary actually sent me on a link to a Facebook page saying Patricia I thought you might like to take a look at this I'm really angry about this says Mary that this group of people maybe stop from distributing food, toiletries and just a friendly word to homeless people on the streets of Dublin. The HSE don't mind if that person the homeless person is laying on a footpath to sleep which would be full of germs, yet they're starting to query where they're getting their food from, which is a point I hadn't thought of, uh, Mary, but it's a, it's, it's a good point. Uh, and what Mary and Liz and others are talking about is, it is, these are these pop-up soup kitchens in Dublin. And we have pop-up soup kitchens here in Cork as well, but it seems like they're targeting two specific ones in Dublin. They serve food and drink to people who are homeless Uh, and they may have to close and it's to do with compliance issues with food safety standards and what happened was they had an inspection by the HSE now one group is called the Homeless Street Cafe and the other group is called Friends Helping Friends and it seems they were inspected last month they were out doing their soup run they'd set up their tables they were handing out their food and environmental health officers from the HSE came along did a bit of an inspection on them and then issued them with letters listing evidence of infringements on food safety standards. The soup kitchens are set up on the street once or twice a week in the city centre in Dublin. They use trestle tables and then onto the tables and in the pictures I've seen or if I've looked at any of these groups on Facebook, you know, they they try to make it as nice as they can and they'll have, you know, like red checkered tablecloths on the tables just trying to make it all look as nice as they can and then on top they'll pop their sandwiches, fruit, drink, cakes and any hot food that they have. And it varies obviously from week to week and they lay it all out. Now, it seems there's about 30 other pop-up kitchens operating uh, in Dublin and what happens is they all operate on different days and in different locations around the city like they don't all turn up on a Friday night so it means that every night of the week there will be a couple of or a number of these pop-up soup kitchens in Dublin as I say it works in Cork as well and then they feed the homeless people the food for all of these pop-up soup soup kitchens entirely donated from the general public and the majority of the food come from people's home kitchens. So what happened was HNC went out, did the inspection and they recommended that the soup kitchens only receive food from people or businesses that are registered with the HSE. Now the co-founder of the Homeless Street Cafe is a lady by the name of Denise Carroll and she said that the food that they serve on a weekly basis, I liked this, she said it's made with love and she believes they serve around 300 people when they operate on a Tuesday night and they've been doing it every Tuesday night for the past five years in all kinds of weather conditions, they've never missed a Tuesday and for five years they've had volunteers 
making it, she said, getting the food ready and doing it with love. The HSC inspection found that the soup kitchen was in violation of several food safety standards. It included that the food business wasn't officially registered. And of course, obviously it's a a charity, but it should be. The fact it's dealing with food, it needs to be registered. It wasn't. They said there was no temperature monitoring of the food. They said the workers hadn't been fully trained in food hygiene. They said there was no information provided as to who made the food. Like they didn't have Mrs O'Brien of such and such a street made those ham sandwiches tonight. They needed that kind of information. They also said there was no facility for hand washing and the one that really got to me was there was no allergen information available. So for all of the sandwiches that they gave out they should have, you know, does contains wheat, doesn't contain gluten, doesn't contain nuts, no allergen information. So the letter also stated that there'd now be a follow-up inspection and the follow-up inspection is due to happen next week. So they get the list of everything that they did wrong last month and they're told now you've got a week to put everything in order and failure to comply may result in a formal enforcement action being initiated by the HSE which basically means if there's an enforcement action they'll have to stop doing what they're doing. Denise Carroll of that particular homeless street cafe said we have the utmost respect for any sort of recommendations but she says when it's taken to a level where it's impossible for us as a charity to meet it that every kitchen that makes a sandwich for us or every kitchen that makes a pot of dinner for us to hand out that they would have to be HSE registered that they'd all have to be hap is it H-A-A-C-P trained and then they'd all have to be open for inspection she said straight away that is going to deter people they have to open up their family homes to make a sandwich I think our priorities are all wrong while Denise Carroll said they would do whatever they could to improve the service adding that they, the hand sanitizer was always available and they, those queuing have always been asked to wear masks you know because obviously the pandemic is putting a different spin on it as well she said they do use hot and cold boxes to store the food before it's served so they're doing everything to try to make sure that the food temperature is uh, right and they say they have been and they're, they're trying their best to carry out this, this food temperature monitoring. However, she said getting kitchens registered with the HSE is simply beyond their means and she means because of that it will simply stop the uh, service because they don't have an official kitchen where they go every Tuesday night and make up all the sandwiches or make up the soup or they might do a bit of curry on a cold night, whatever it is they're cooking. What they do is they rely on members of the public and this has been going on for five years. Members of the public in Dublin Ladies, gentlemen decide to buy maybe a slice pan on a Tuesday morning and a couple of pounds of ham and a bit of cheese and whatever and in their own kitchen someone will make up the sandwiches and I take it they put it into tin foil or put it into some kind of sandwich bags they keep them all fresh and ready they get collected or else they drop them in to wherever they are in the city centre and then they give it out to the uh, homeless uh, people and I know one um, man who's been homeless for the last 30 months was asked at, I think it was it was online I, I read it and uh, was saying that you know they go to different soup uh, kitchens every day and and said that they literally the food is always neatly wrapped they that literally there's never been any uh, complaints and never heard of anybody getting sick uh, from it and you know people homeless people in Dublin and to say we have them here in Cork as well rely on these services so we're just 
raising the question, judging by some of the commentary we've had in this morning, I mean, is this, t- is this red tape gone mad? And listen, I absolutely accept when you're serving food and we want everything. And, you know, just because somebody is homeless, you don't want anybody to get food poisoning or anything like that. And you want to protect and standards should be the same for, uh, for everyone. But is this, is this bureaucracy and red tape just gone absolutely mad? Because if they've targeted these two, Homeless Street Cafe and Friends Help Friends, if there's 30, if there's 28 other of these pop-up soup kitchens in Dublin, do we assume that if they close down the two of these next week because they won't be able to do everything that they were asked to do, do they then move on and will we end up with none of these pop-up soup kitchens and then who what will happen to the homeless people your thoughts welcome 1850 333 103 C103 Jobs The Fresh Fish Deli that's in Skibbereen they've got vacancies for full and part-time food production operatives no previous experience is required and it is flexi working times Catering deli assistants are wanted that's for Mallow while steel fixers are wanted for Cork City outskirts and an electrical apprentice is wanted for a small electrical company that's in Bandon in West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie The biggest headaches facing couples getting married in the coming weeks or months is how many guests will be allowed to attend. Tara Fay is a wedding planner and president of the Irish Wedding Association and Tara joins me. Good morning to you, Tara. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and I imagine as a wedding planner, you're having a lot of headaches too. OK, where are we at at the moment? If, for a couple that's getting married today or tomorrow, what's happening? For At the moment, it's, it is 50 guests. Um, and that we we don't know when that is going to increase or if it is going to increase. So I think, you know, at the very beginning, and when the numbers, the suggested numbers were um, were muted for twenty five guests for June, fifty for July, and a hundred from August onwards. I don't think couples listened to the exact detail as to. It would be, you know, in line with, um, you know, the public health advice at the time and everything. All they heard was 100 guests from August. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting my dream. I can have 100 guests from August. And bearing in mind that most weddings will have invitations sent out six to eight weeks ahead of time, when that was announced, they sent their invitations for 100 guests. So now a lot of people from the 5th of August onwards will have 100 guests for their wedding. And they now have to go through the list and see, well, what do we do? Do we wait until next week to see if it is going to be announced that it's 100 guests? Do we just cut our losses now and cut it down to 50 guests? It's, it, a wedding is not something that, that happens overnight. This is something that people can have planned for for up to three or four years in advance. A lot of these couples are on their fourth or fifth or potentially sixth date. It is a huge investment for them, both time and emotionally, and financially, of course, as well. And and as you say, for some, the expectation was that it would go up to uh, to a hundred. But listening to Leo Varadkar this week, I mean, what's your gut? Do you think it's going to stay at fifty? Certainly for the month of August. I mean, uh, who is to know? I mean, to throw throw a ball up in the air and see what lands at this stage. It is. I think it would be. It would be kinder to come out and say now 
rather than to string people along and at the last minute when they will have had to pay money. I mean, I don't think people actually understand. A wedding, you, you pay ahead of time. You don't pay it afterwards. You pay the full amount, most likely like 80 or 90% of your cost you've paid in advance of the wedding. And a lot of the time you will have paid them a week, 10 days beforehand. So if somebody has paid for 100 guests and they're only allowed 50, they'll still pay for the 100, will they? Potentially, again, this is something that they're, they're going to have to, discussions they will have to have with their venue or with their hotel. But how do you start ringing up people, Tara, and say you haven't made the cut? It's incredibly, I mean, it's it's soul-destroying. It has to be for couples to do something like that. I know Leo Radker yesterday said, you know, when he questioned why weren't vaccine passports being considered for weddings. Yeah. And he, he made the point that, well, then you'd have to dis- disinvite people who, didn't have, who weren't vaccinated. But the reality is these couples are going to have to disinvite guests anyway. Now, on the con- converse side of that, you could say that, well, maybe they shouldn't have invited the 100 people. But, you know, they're, they're, they're in a no-win situation because if they only invited 50 and then they were told they could have had 100, maybe then they were going to go, well, we should have invited 100. I mean, it is, it is, it's an incredibly difficult position to put any of them in. And I know there will be people listening going, you know, in the greater scheme of things, it is only a wedding. Ah, but to a on. lot of people, it is a hugely important once-in-a-lifetime event that they're going to experience. And I know everybody is going through huge hardships at Yeah, the but everyone remembers but their own wedding exactly, day. Exactly, yeah. and it is a bit of happiness, and everybody needs to spark some joy at the moment. And I take it, and listening to you, I can sense it, Tara, it's the not knowing is the most frustrating part of all of this. I think it's the not knowing, but it's also the lack of engagement and the, the lack of engagement with anybody within the wedding industry. So um, our association, WIPA, is Wedding International Professional Association, which we only set up in March, and we're part of a bigger international association. We already have 62 members. That will tell you the strength of feeling within the wedding industry for it to be recognized. So at the moment, weddings are not recognized by the Department of Tourism as an event, which to me is mind-boggling and bizarre, but there you go. And it is the, the very fact that we are not recognized as an event, we are not recognized as an industry within any single government department, which is the reason that we're sort of being sidelined at the moment. And it's a huge industry. In this it is country. a huge industry that employs people in every single county and every town throughout the country. And it is something that every family will experience at some stage in their life. It is like the Irish do weddings incredibly well, which is why Ireland is listed in the top 10 destinations worldwide for, for weddings. Like we're around the world. We are renowned for our weddings. So do I take it from that that the industry wasn't consulted in any way when any of the decisions were made? The industry have never been consulted on anything to do with weddings. That's incredible, isn't it? It's quite bizarre. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are pointing out with 65% of the population vaccinated, surely they have to start taking that into account. But I think the other thing you have to take into account as well is that couples now are slightly older getting married. When I say slightly older, they are in their early 30s. If we look at the age profile of of the vaccinated population, a lot of people in their 30s are double vaccinated at at this stage. So their guests are all vaccinated. None of that is being taken into account. And when we think about a wedding, a wedding, it is the same group of people together. 
there are strict gui- you know guidance within a hotel situation that you know it's six people to a table it's two meters between tables we have the contact details for every single guest attending a wedding those the they have to have a table plan they have to stay in their seats there is no live music they don't have dancing there is a lot more strict regulations in place for for a wedding than there are than there is for a restaurant with a huge turnover of guests so, and yes, yeah, so weddings have been very different, even though I've heard some people, Tara, say that they loved the intimacy of the smaller wedding. And you wonder going forward, even though, as you say, we're great at weddings in this country, we like our big weddings. But you wonder going forward, will some people opt for that smaller, more intimate wedding? I think there is always going to be a place for smaller weddings. Um, I know the, the phrase last year going around the buzzword was micro weddings. I think what is, is good about it is that people do not feel the, the need to apologise or make excuses for having a smaller wedding anymore. And that is a wonderful thing because I know a lot of the time people were having larger weddings to keep other people happy and it is not what they wanted themselves. So this is great that there is so much publicity now around smaller weddings and there is a lot of traction with, within the wedding industry and for wedding couples as well that they can now say, I actually want that experience and they're not going to feel guilty about wanting it. And that is a wonderful thing. But there are people who do want that 100 person, 200, 250 person wedding. And my big fear is that unless we address this sooner rather than later, I could be having this conversation this time next year. And for the weddings that are going ahead, there's a couple of people are making uh, raising the same point for the for the fifty. Say with the fifty, does vaccination come into it with indoor dining? Uh, with who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated? Well, you would think it should, but no, it hasn't even been considered. It hasn't even been looked at. Yeah, because it's the same if you're staying at a ho- if you're staying in a hotel, you don't have to be vaccinated or unvaccinated. So, but if you yeah. look at a hotel dining room for for um, for breakfast, for example, some of the very large hotels around the country could potentially have a hundred, two hundred people in in their large because a lot of them are using their ballrooms where they which they would traditionally have used for their very large weddings. So they could have two hundred people in for breakfast at any one time. That's a very, very valid point. So what, what is your advice to people who have a wedding booked for August at this stage, Tara? I think you really have to have that, um, that difficult conversation. Um, and see, uh, I mean, I was asked yesterday on, um, you know, should people postpone? And I, this is going back to last year. Why are you postponing and what are you postponing? Where, when are you postponing to? Because next year is incredibly busy with weddings. Um, you know, people are having weddings on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. So I think you have to decide yourself, do you want to go ahead with 50 people? If that is what, what is the situation, do you look at, say, where you have invited a couple and you ring that person up and go, do you mind? I mean, it is an incredibly difficult conversation they're going to have to have with, with different family members even. I mean, some people, 50 people doesn't even cover their immediate family. Yeah, some people have struggled to, to get it to uh, 50. Some people have struggled to get, to get it to 100. Correct. But it's just the thought of ringing somebody up saying, you know that invitation I sent you and both your names are on it, could one of you stay at home? It just doesn't, even the thought of doing that. But just as you say, cancelling, cancelling for what? Some people on their fourth, fifth and sixth attempt, they should be allowed to get married. All right, but it's still all up in the air. I know the board fault guidelines for indoor dining, Tara, is expected within the hour. Well, do you think weddings might be mentioned in that? Weddings are on the full Charling guidelines for um, 
listed at, at the end for the reopening of hotels and guest houses from last year, but they haven't changed considerably since since they were first issued last May. I mean, the only addition to them has been in October when um, live music, or it's now listed actually as loud or live music and dancing was added to it. So since last um, October, they haven't actually changed substantially. Oh, so they're going to go to be the same. Somebody said if there's 50 allowed at a wedding at the moment, why are they not allowing christenings? The most you'd have at a christening is six. So all you need is the parents and the grandparents. This caller says, I know of people who have cancelled a christening twice uh, already. They're going for the third attempt. OK, listen, Tara, I'm watching the clock because I know you've got to be gone. Listen, I appreciate uh, you chatting with us today. Thank you for that. Not at all. Thanks Thank for you. joining Bye-bye. us. Good morning to you. That is uh, Tara Fay, who is president of the Irish Wedding Association. And I have to say, my heart really does go out to couples who thought they were going to be able to have the 100 and have already sent out the invitation. I heard, for example, somebody who is due to get married on the first Saturday in August. I think that's the 7th. And there are for 100 uh, people. And this person, Irish, but is living and working in London and is travelling home for the wedding. And a lot of her friends are travelling. So people have booked flights, people have booked accommodation and she was full sure that it was going to go to 100, but it's now looking like it is going to go at 50. But in fairness, I think Tara made a good point when the government did come out at the start and say, OK, we're increasing the wedding numbers to 25. We will then increase it to 50, which they, they did with the possibility of it going to 100 in August. They did say it would all be dependent on what was happening with the figures and public health obviously would be consulted. And God knows we know we're already, we were told we would be going to a 1,000 new cases by the end of July. I think we got to the middle of July and we got to the 1,000 uh, new cases. And what are they saying? There's going to be two, th- two 3,000 a day uh, by August, maybe up to 4,000 a day by the middle of August. So looking at those figures, I think public health are going to say no, you've got to limit the number maximum at a wedding to uh, 50. But there will be couples having very difficult conversations, deciding do they go ahead with the wedding? And then if they do decide to go ahead with the wedding, making that phone call to tell people that, you know, that invite I sent you, well, sorry, can I cancel half or all of the invite? That's a tricky conversation. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103's smart speaker giveaway is happening here. Play C103. We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Join Ken Tobin for Cork's More Music Breakfast and stay with us all day long for your chance to win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase Play C103 to win a smart speaker. C103's smart speaker giveaway with Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Stay listening to win. And remember to say... Play C103. Now, if you're looking for interactive, educational and playful things to do with your children this summer, then a visit to Cork City is a must. Where a playful culture trail has been created. To find out more, I'm joined by Dr. Danielle O'Donovan, who is the Programme Manager at Nanonagel uh, Place. Good morning to you, Danielle. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you for talking to me. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. You've got 30 places on this culture trail. Can you just give us the background and explain how it came about? Well, you know, I 
suppose we were, you know, lots of the museums and galleries and attractions were talking and we said, you know what, it's been such a tough time for kids because so many of the things they love doing and getting out there were closed. And uh, we just really thought, right, we've got an opportunity to, to have, a, have a whole new audience of kids coming through our door this summer when they're going to be staying at home and staycationing. So there are 15 museums and galleries and attractions in Cork and there are 30 playful things to do. Um, all together, so there's um, 15 museums, galleries and attractions and then 15 things to do out of doors for fun. So that's the, that's the, the product of our, our inventiveness. So it was fairly easy to come up with 30 things to find for children to do. Well, you know what? We went to social media. You have to use the hive mind for these things. So we actually put out a tweet. Playful Cities put out a tweet and said, tell us what you do for fun. And so we got lovely ones back like run along the shaky bridge or fly a kite on the leaf fields or have a picnic in Bellsfield. And, and it kind of went from there. And, you know, there's just actually so much to do in Cork City. And we just thought, you know, well, let's get it out there and, and make a beautiful map and, and list which you can grab at any museum, gallery and attraction. And um, so it, we just wanted to make it easy for people. Yeah, this is how families get involved. This this map, it, it, and it's free of charge. Well, the map is free of charge, and also um, some of the museums, galleries, and attractions in Cork are free of charge. And there's also paid attractions who could really do with your support this year. But when you visit any of those places, you're going to get a gorgeous little tote bag, and it has crayons and a pencil. It has um, a printed version of the map, so you can bring it around with you. And it also has an activity sheet for that place. So all of the 15 places have got a different sheet that introduces you to their museum and their collection. It's brilliant. It's just, and, and what age group are you pitching it at, uh, Daniela? Well, we thought we'd start around the four-year-olds because there's kind of colouring and there's stickers and there's things like that and kind of hunting around and finding things. But it kind of steps up to about 10-year-olds. There are also things like little crosswords and puzzles and things like that. So we tried to kind of differentiate them a bit so they'd work for for lots of different age groups. So I'd say up to around 10 or 11. Yeah, because I, 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 I was looking down through it and definitely yeah, the primary school children. And what what's nice about it is, you know, the older primary school children, if they've got younger siblings or friends or nieces, you know, cousins with them, the older ones can help the younger ones with some of the activities. Absolutely. That's social constructivism. So when... Um, you know, when we were thinking about making this, you know, it had to be fun and it had to be playful. But also there's lots of learning. When you're having fun, information comes along for the ride, you know. And we also, so that idea of, of children helping children is, is one piece of the puzzle. And another piece of the puzzle is that we actually kind of thought about, well, how can we get kids to relate history to themselves? So when they go to the Butter Museum, there's all this beautiful collection of old butter wrappers. But we said, well, what does it go home and look in your fridge? You know, what does your butter wrapper look like? Or, mm. you know, so the idea that we're kind of they're building up knowledge on things that are already familiar to them is a really interesting learning concept. So it's fun, but there's definitely a little bit of learning just sneaked in there. And I love the idea of introducing children at a young age to museums and uh, galleries, because that's the age that you, you start tweaking their interest and they should they'll carry it through into adulthood for sure. Absolutely. You know, there's um, a the really interesting theories. There's a, a man, he's amazingly named Mihai, Cheek Sent Mihai. And he, <laughs> he came up with this theory that people get their personal interest from things like going to science centres and museums and galleries. And that's where, you know, that sense of curiosity about things kind of um, unfolds. And, you know, we've had kids who visited Nanonego Place and done some of our, our kind of educational activities and they've gone off and done research on things like leeches and <laughs> all kinds yeah. of things. It's just something that's caught their interest. And that's the magic. And also, you know, Patricia, 
kids who go to museums when they're young learn how to use them and they become visitors of museums and people who visit museums are happier so you know it's a win-win that's good and (laughs) children will remember those little trips like you know playing chase or flying a kite in the lee fields skimming a stone across the lee having a picnic at the bells field they'll remember doing that with their parents they're the things we all ourselves remember those small little things that you did with your parents they're the ones that really stand out they're, re- they're memories for life. And actually, I always um, talk about school trips as being something that's really memorable. And I mean, any of your listeners who are sitting listening there, can you remember going on a school trip to somewhere like a museum or a gallery? I bet you can, because it's kind mm. of a memorable experience, you know. So these are the magic moments in life, aren't they, that you kind of hold on to and they keep you going. And just such fond memories. Yeah, it's brilliant. It, it really is fantastic. What kind of a reaction are you getting so far, Daniela? Well, we are. We're the tote bags are so sweet that um, we've seen all these little ones marching through. And there's another element to it, which is you have to find a little lizard. And she's hide. She's a native Irish lizard, and she's hiding in all the museums, galleries, and attractions. And her name's Blaheen. Okay. And um, so hunting for Blaheen the lizard has become very popular. And when you when you find her, you get a little sticker that says "I found Blaheen." I just and actually, when you come in the door, you also get a, a VIP sticker saying that you are a VIP in our. Ah, in our place. It's brilliant. <laughs> it, it really is brilliant. The reaction and has been really good. And actually, just to tell you, I mean, we've had these little kids marching through. They're leading the way. You know, they're in charge of this operation. And then two little girls came to the front door of Nanonagle Place last Monday to do the trail. And we were closed. And they were so disappointed. One of them nearly started crying. So I had to run in, <laughs> grab the bags. So kids have definitely locked onto the idea. And though we just love people from the county to just come and do a day trip. Yeah. taking a few of the things, spend the month popping up and down and taking all those 30 things off the list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, and as you mentioned it earlier, you know, kids have had a tough 18 months and the lockdowns in particular uh, were very were very tough. And I think getting them outside, getting them playing out in the fresh air and exploring, I think it's more important, Daniela, this year than any other year, any other summer. I completely agree. My little girl, Rosie, just literally had her nose stuck to the front window being like when can we go somewhere mommy <laughs> you know and I'm sure there are parents and guardians across the country who, who are really getting that feeling and the other thing is that we you know we some of our museums have screens but it's a great screen free thing to do you know to get them out away from the telly and away from those those iPads that have them you know clicking and buzzing and just kind of you know doing paper-based activities and running around and the thing is we, we designed the kits so they are COVID safe and that the child gets a kit and they get to keep it um, so there isn't too much kind of tactile stuff in the museum so um, it's COVID safe too and it's kind of an individual activity or an activity for a pod so yes it's been a horrible year but being creative, hopefully we've, we've created something really lovely for kids. I to think do. you have, I think you have. And God, it's just the times we're living in, you even have to think of COVID and making this kid COVID safe. It's just, it's a bizarre, the world, that when we're just getting so used to it. And just while we have you on the line on a different uh, topic, because when I introduce you, you are the programme manager at Nanonagel uh, Place. I spotted you're about to launch an exhibition. A new exhibition at Nanonagle Place? We certainly are. We'll be launching, um, it will be up and, and ready to go on the 1st of August, Sunday the 1st of August. And it's called Changing Habits, 250 Years of Convent Life because the oldest building on our site is 250 years old this year. It's the building that Nanonagle built for the Earthline Sisters when she invited them over from France. And we just thought that was too much of a kind of an occasion not to mark. 
And so the, the exhibition looks at that kind of changing way of life from 1771 all the way to the present day um, and how, you know, Nano Nagel's first sisters actually didn't wear habits and they weren't enclosed. She wanted them to go off out into the world and help people. And then they took enclosure. They wore habits. We, we have recreated habits from all different periods of time which are, on display, are going to be on display and, and kind of available for you to touch and have a little lift of their hem to see how woolly their petticoat was. Hmm. And, um, and then thinking about that changing way of like life all the way up to the, to the present day when sisters live in the community, they don't wear habits. So hopefully people will find it really engaging. The last couple of exhibitions we've had have been quite kind of text and image based. So it's the first time that we've, we've actually put objects on display. So costume and um, objects from the collection are going to go out into the museum as well. So hopefully it'll really capture people. And, um, you know, this kind of story of 250 years is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal. And when does that, when does that exhibition start? So we're, we're, everything is going in on the, on Friday the 30th, so we'll, we'll be officially launching on the 1st of August okay. and we'll run almost all the way to the end of, of November with it. So we'd love you to come and see us and discover Nanonagel Place because, you know, um, people always say to me, you should tell people about this place. It's such a hidden gem. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, Daniela, I hear that more times from people when they go to Nanonagel Place for the first time, people who weren't aware of it. And people say, I never knew it was there. And, uh, and are you busy? Well, we've got lots of lovely people using the garden. Okay. We've got our wildflower meadow and um, and big bean bags actually on on the lawn now, and we're just about to put in picnic benches. So we've got lots of people using the site. But obviously, for us, the most important thing is that they come through the museum. Um, it's hard to get people in the door of the museum on such a sunny day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to admit. Yeah. But um, but hopefully, with, between the kids' trail and the exhibition, it's going to be a really busy August and September for us. And it's, you know, it's our job to welcome people and lockdown. It's really weird when you work in hospitality and then to be in a lockdown. So we're almost like doubly excited. I know, <laughs> I know. people back now. Okay, we wish you uh, luck with it. And interesting, when you mentioned your, your little girl, uh, Rosie, I've just realised who your mum is. Your <laughs> mum is also Rosie, who used to work with us here at the radio station for many, many years. For many, many years, actually. Yeah, Rosie O'Donovan. And um, she's How is so she? funny. She's absolutely brilliant. She's 77 tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. She was one of our prize sales reps and went on to be sales manager uh, for a period of time. So 77 tomorrow. Absolutely. And you know what we were? She came to visit last week and I'm now, like, as you can imagine, selling all the time for the museum, for the culture trail. And I was stopping people on the street and saying, have you done the culture trail? And she was looking at me with her hands on her hips and going, that's my girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if you're any good as sailors rep, as good as your mother is, then you're, you won't go wrong. Listen, tell her happy birthday for tomorrow. And uh, we, is she still playing the bow run? She's missing her sessions. Is so she? Much. She's a great bow run player. Missing the sessions and the crack and everything. I'm sure for so many musicians and for people who just love going to those those sessions, it was Tuesday night in Donovan's Hotel was her her thing that she did every week. And it's been so tough not to do it, like for so many people. But um, hopefully... We'll get back to normal, normal we will. soon. We will. We will. Listen, you look after yourself, uh, Danielle, and thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Great to talk to you, Patricia. Good morning thanks. to you. Bye-bye. Bye. That is Dr. Danielle O'Donovan, programme manager at the Nano Nagel uh, Place. But if you, if you have children, young ch- primary school children, I would suggest uh, get involved in that new playful, colourful, 
Culture Trail and it features 30 fun things uh, to do in museums, galleries, attractions and green spaces throughout our gorgeous Cork City. John Paul's taking your calls at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Yeah, Mike, it's the for the day that's in it. Can we remember the late Des O'Malley who has been laid to rest today? A man who saved many a life in this country while under severe threat to his own uh, life. May his gentle soul rest in uh, peace only too glad to do that thank you for that Michael and somebody says if you play a request to my sister Nelly don't have Nelly's surname or where Nelly is but happy birthday Nelly Anne and all the family have been on want to wish you a great day okay I need to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way in the next hour we've got our Cork versus Covid uh, feature and we're taking a look at international travel we'll talk movies with Mark and we're also going to hear the winning entry to a song contest to create a song to wish the Skibbereen Rowers all the rest. That and more coming up after 12. Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, I've had an email in and I actually saw a WhatsApp as well relating to this, asking if I could give this a mention, uh, please. Uh, Would whoever may have borrowed and forgot to return the watering cans at Bantry Abbey Cemetery, could they please return them? There's obviously watering cans that they leave, I'm assuming, somewhere near the taps. People can use the watering cans then to water any flowers you might have on the graves, which is a great thing to do because you don't get that in every cemetery. I see people going in with their own watering cans or bottles of water. So a great idea to have these watering cans available. But uh, unfortunately, somebody has uh, taken them away, hopefully by mistake. They've brought them away, just forgot to return them. So if you know where the watering cans for Bantry Abbey Cemetery, where they are, would you please return them, uh, please? We will start taking your texts and WhatsApps now, please, for the next 10 minutes to 0862 103 103. Your name and address if you want to enter our smart speaker giveaway with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Your chance to win a smart speaker on this programme. One listener will be selected from the entries to join me on air. I will ask you, please, to repeat the winning phrase, which is... Play C103. And then when you win your smart speaker, that's what you need to do every morning straight out of the bed. First thing you say to the smart speaker is play C103. And you've got company and the radio with you for the day, amongst all the other wonderful things you can do with this smart speaker. So that's by text only, please. Text or WhatsApp only. Don't call us at 0862103103. And while we're waiting for those texts to come in, it gives me a chance to catch up on a lot of calls and commentary into uh, the programme uh, this morning. Uh, I spoke about the tragedy of drownings that have happened in this country. Unfortunately, with the, the heat wave will be remembered, uh, the heat wave of 2021 will be remembered in some families for all of the wrong reasons. And that heartbreak will never leave them and just asking people to please be safe. Uh, Henry and Charleville heard me mention that and rang the programme to say, Patricia, warn young people particularly about the dangers of disused quarries. Tell them to be extremely careful. These disused quarries can just be so, so deep and so deceptively uh, deep. Uh, you you wouldn't, you they don't look very deep. You wouldn't notice it until you go in swimming. They can be extremely dangerous, particularly if you're not a strong swimmer. So please be careful on any kind of water at the moment. And then can I publicly thank Helena who contacted us this 
morning when she heard me mention about people still waiting for their COVID digital certificates and she was one of the ones who had been waiting as well and last night she decided to go through her email her, her Gmail she has a, and lots of us have our email on, with the Gmail account and she discovered that there was another tab and it was called promotions and when she checked in there a lot of emails from Netflix and Amazon and other companies trying to sell her things and lo and behold right in the middle of it was her digital COVID certificate so she had it there all along and she was going to ring because the lines were busy so she said she would have wasted everybody's time ringing when she actually had the cert all along and I gave that a mention on behalf of Helena whose advice was if you do have if it's a Gmail account just check because it seems Gmail and I don't know when they did it but they sort of changed the layout of the way the emails come in and they have various different tabs now I mean I've got that promotion so I think I've got a social one as well and we were asked by the HSE to check that it doesn't just go into your spam folder but there can be other folders as well and for people to check and see anyway I gave that a mention and next within the next couple of minutes the phone line started hopping for John Paul and John Paul said he got a string of calls in from people saying would you ever say thank you to Helena I checked my Gmail and yes the COVID digital certificate was just gone into another folder including somebody that had spent two and a half hours on the phone line yesterday trying to get through now didn't get through to discover that the email has been there since quite a few days at this stage so just so thank you to Helena for te- for telling us that because that prompted me then to pass it on to others and uh, a lot of other people quite happy now that they have actually got their COVID digital certificate so it's, it does seem to be particularly with the Gmail account just check that there are other tabs, other accounts where your actual certificate can be instead. And on the public services card that we spoke about earlier on with Deputy Andreas Moyni and the fact that they're out of date, Billy Amanda is kind of scratching his head and saying, why do they put an expiry date on these public services uh, cards? Surely the cards are expensive to produce because they've got your photograph and everything on it. Surely those cards should be for life because your PPS number that you get is for life and your PPS number is on your public services card. We did not cut out a lot of red tape and duplication in these offices if they made them for life. I I think, and I, I hadn't realised that there was an expiry date on those public services cards, Billy, until the pandemic arrived and until we had some older people who, because the public services card also, if you are entitled to free travel, your free travel is on that. And it was only then when people were getting turned away from trains and buses that I realised there was an expiry date on it. But I suppose the reason there is an expiry date is to do with the fact that there's a photograph on it. I mean, if you take a photograph of somebody and then you say you make that a card for life in 20 years, you can look different to how you are 20 years ago. So I'm assuming that that's the reason why they put an expiry uh, date on it. And someone else was on, John in Blackpool was on because his public services card ran out and he said he was in his local, local, he went into his local post office. He thought he could renew his public services card there. He obviously couldn't, but they gave him the phone number. He rang that uh, 1850 number that we called out earlier. He reckons he got through to Sligo 
they took all the details over the phone and he said his renewed card was back out in the post in 10 days. Yeah, I think they're extending about three years, isn't it? And you don't have to go in and get the photograph taken or anything. John in Blackpool was actually stopped by a bus driver to say, do you know your public services card is out of date? But he said others were just waving him on and saying, yeah, it's OK, get on the bus, you're fine. But it was one particular driver. I don't know whether he left him onto the bus or not, but he went on about the fact that it was out of date. But he said that's understandable because he said, what, what if a bus inspector got on board? But you see, I would say if a bus inspector got on board and checked the card and said that card is out of date, I would be saying to them, well, you know, the National Transport Authority have said that we are allowed travel on cards that are expired at the moment because of the pandemic. Now, obviously, they're renewing them now, but during the pandemic, nobody should have been uh, turfed off or not allowed onto a bus or forced to pay for a bus ride or a train ride because their card was out of date. Now, big reaction to the piece that I mentioned and in fairness it was some of our listeners asked me to speak about it today on the programme. This is to do with the two pop-up kitchens in Dublin who were served food, who serve food and drink to the homeless people. They may have to close and it's because of compliance issue with food safety standards. They got inspected by the HSE. Last month environmental health officers came out and issued letters listing evidence of infringements on food safety standards to two of these pop-up soup kitchens. One is called Homeless Street Cafe and the other is called Friends Helping Friends and they're basically soup kitchens that go out once or twice a week with trestle tables with their sandwiches and their fruit and their drinks and their bits and bobs maybe some soup in the winter time put it all out, bottles of water and then they feed homeless people in Dublin and the food is entirely donated by members of the general public including people that make the sandwiches in their own kitchen and suddenly they've been told that they have to operate as you would operate any sort of a food establishment uh, and things about measuring the temperature of the food and there was a load of other different infringements. Eddie in Bandon said, did the HSC find any cases of food poisoning related to any of these soup kitchens? Would they rather see people eating off the street? And no, I didn't hear any mention of anyone who got food poisoning as a direct result of being fed from one of these soup kitchens. No, I, I don't think that was the reason for the inspection. John in Cove says the HSC aren't too uh, worried about these men, women and children sleeping in doorways across the country. And now they seem to be more worried about the food that good charity people are giving to them, especially the one about look checking the temperature of the food. Have they checked the temperature of the ground that some of these people, when they're rough sleeping, have to sleep uh, on? And yet now they're asking these people to check the temperature of the food that they are serving. John in Mallow said the person from the HSC that came out and did the inspection tell that person to go and feed the 300 odd people every Tuesday or Thursday night that these pop-up soup kitchens uh, feed. All these people do it on a voluntary basis. So would the person, would the environmental health officers, will they go out and feed the people? And then Dennis uh, listening to us in Oxford in England says, as regards to the HSC, I feel the food hygiene is the for obvious reasons. However, I feel the HSE are demanding exceptional rules. If the HSE are going to close down the soup kitchens, what's their plan to then address malnutrition-related diseases in the homeless people who've been fed by these pop-up food kitchens? They're making unrealistic rules and unrealistic rules have consequences. That's from Dennis in Oxford. Uh, Thanks, uh, Dennis. Good to have you listening today. And Jay says, in relation to the pop-up food stalls, the late Jackie Healy Ray comes to mind when he once said... 
Common sense isn't so common. Would they rather left, leave people go hungry, says Jay. I think a number of people are making that very, very same point, uh, Jay. Someone else says, Patricia, it would be absolutely criminal if those pop-up kitchens are forced to uh, close People should be out on the streets marching if they dare to do that. And my fear is that if they close these two, that there are two of 30 that are in Dublin, if they close two, will they then slowly work their way through the rest of the pop-up food kitchens? And then what happens to the pop-up food kitchens that we also have here in uh, Cork City? And I'm sure they're in every city. I'm sure they're in Limerick and uh, Galway as well. Anywhere where there are homeless people. There is a need for, for these pop-up food kitchens, unfortunately. Someone else says, I hope the men and women that did the inspections in the soup kitchens have the proper training to cook food in their own kitchens to their spouses and kids, or they may become sick. I think this is a load of bull. This seems to me is just going too far. And then someone else says, Patricia, what about the horse boxes? You know, the ones that are selling food that have popped, that have hugely popped up during the pandemic. Are they licensed? Absolutely, they are licensed. Anyone that's serving food or drink what they put people to through in order to sell food and drink. But I think the people that were involved in the pop-up food kitchens, because they're not selling the items, they give the items away free, I think they thought that they wouldn't have to have had stick to all of the in- rules and regulations that are governing somebody selling food. And that's not to say that we should be just giving... I can see where the HSE are coming from. They need to make sure that the standards are up. But as somebody said, unless there's been big outbreaks of people with food poisoning, why suddenly now one of those soup kitchens that I mentioned has been operating for five years? Why suddenly now are they being picked on to say, well, where's the temperature of your food? Where are those sandwiches made? Why isn't there labels on those sandwiches showing the the allergies you know it just doesn't make it's just it's just not sitting well with me at the moment and that's not to say that in any way homeless people should be getting inferior food but it doesn't sound like it's inferior food it sounds like it's in this particular case it's the good people of Dublin who want to look after their own and they're providing the food that they are paying for and making in their own kitchens 1850-333-103 and then on people who have gone overseas and have ended up getting COVID we were talking about the people who were in Spain people who were on holidays and when they were due to come back they discovered that they had COVID and now they can't move and they're stuck in hotel quarantining and isolating in hotels. Somebody said, why did they not stay in Ireland this year? There's no point crying now. They should have known what happened last year. There must be nothing in their heads, only fresh air, anyone who would even consider travelling. There's a lot of people are considering travelling. Well, I suppose vaccinated people, uh, what we're talking about, unvaccinated people travelling. And I know that's, I saw Dr. Roland Glynn yesterday when he was going through the number of, we had 800 cases in the last two weeks that are down to travel. And it was in England, it was England, Spain and Portugal were the three main countries where people came back and brought COVID back with them. And I know Dr. Ronan Glynn, when he was going through those figures, said to people, if you're unvaccinated, don't be leaving uh, the country. Somebody else says, I've no pity for people that travelled out of this, uh, this country and end up having to isolate. It is their own fault. And uh, Jean wants to let us know that the streetlight in Donnerell was fixed yesterday. And thanks for our help. Listen, only too glad to pass on the information there. And good to know that it has been fixed. And someone else says, I think it's crazy that they're only allowing small crowds crowds inside in big GAA stadiums. Would others agree that they need to 
big up the numbers and allow more people into the larger GAA stadiums. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. I should have just spotted a text in asking me to mention that the Middleton GAA drive-in bingo is going on this evening. Half past seven start. Great prizes on offer. And uh, Marion, hoping everybody is enjoying the fine weather. The Wallace family are holding a fundraising garden event for the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund. It's at their home, Five Spiddle Cottages in Cloyne, and it's on today. It's open now and it's on until half past three this afternoon. Kildallery Drive-In Bingo, that's on tonight, 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard. And Castletown Bear Development Association, their drive-in bingo, also at 8 o'clock. That's at the east end of the pier with a jackpot of €1,700. And a coffee morning in aid of the Court McSherry RNLI takes place tomorrow morning in the Lifeboat Inn Garden in Court McSherry. That's from 9am to 12 noon. Souvenirs will be on sale as well and your support would be much appreciated. And shine a light, suicide and mental health awareness are presenting Make Some Noise Cork. It's on Friday the 30th of July, streamed live from the Firkin Crane from 7pm to 8.15pm this night week by Unity Media. Links are available on the Shine a Light Facebook page. Court Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You can stop texting us for our smart speaker competition. Uh, John Paul is going to select one of our winners so you can stop uh, texting us on that. But if you are one of the hundreds upon hundreds who text us stay by your phone because you could be getting a call. Now Skibberina District Chamber of Commerce recently launched a song contest for the Skibberina Rowers. They had a huge entry and yesterday they announced the winner and the winning entry was written and performed by James McOwen who joins me and I'm going to play the winning song in a moment but firstly uh, James joins me. Good afternoon to you James. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and congratulations to you. You're a native of Skibbereen but you're in in Dublin at the moment. I am, yeah, I'm a native of Skibbereen. I'm uh, just kind of between Skibbereen and Baltimore, just near the rowing club actually, kind of just a bit down there but I'm teaching up in Dublin now and uh, have been for about seven years. I was, going to, I was going to say, what, what caused you to leave beautiful Skibbereen? Just the teaching. <laughs> a so, bit of difference. So how did you hear about the competition? Um, I was on the way down about two or three weeks ago for my granny's 85th. I hope she doesn't mind that I'm sharing that her, that's her age on the radio. But um, my friend sent me on the, uh, the link from Facebook and I said, sure, I'll give it a go now. And I just wrote the song on the way down in the car and uh, had it ready to go. And that was how I heard it. <laughs> and have you written songs before? Yeah, well, uh, recently myself and my good friend Grania, who actually produced the music, um, we've been writing, uh, we've been kind of standing around and we've decided we'd write a musical and write, wrote a few songs and stuff like that. So we're always kind of working on stuff, nothing released yet, but yeah. we'd be tinkering away, do you know? Are you a music teacher? Um, I'm a primary school teacher and okay. I teach a bit of music, all right, but yeah, I've tried music all the way along in Skibbereen and the Coltus and Gorn yeah. and Oak and all that kind of stuff. So you would, you, you would have grown up with that. Did you, did I hear you once rode with the Skibbereen <laughs> Rowing Club? <laughs> I did for one summer, yeah. Did you? That has been my claim to fame for the last couple of years now. Anytime anybody asks about Gary and Paul, I'm like, well, I was in a quad with them for one summer and then I was told, 
Ewart can either commit now and be a really good roar and give up uh, singing and music, but not give up, but, you know, having a good time. <laughs> so they have their Olympic medals and I, this is my Olympics. <laughs> you, see, you see, I could have been speaking to you now live from Japan uh, today. If I know, have, but you been to be live from Dublin yeah, instead. Yeah, absolutely. And I had Gary and Paul's mum, Trish, on uh, earlier. And actually, we touched on that. The commitment that oh, you have dear. to give to rowing is it's just off the Richter scale isn't it? Oh, it's incredible yeah. I'm training on Christmas Day and just yeah. every day of the year my cousin Ellen rows now herself and That's sure the commitment she gives is 100 and it's amazing Whereas you prefer to write the songs that's yeah. going to support them Were you surprised to get the call to say you'd won? Oh I couldn't believe it yeah. I was delighted yeah. sure I only did it for a bit of fun and obviously they liked it and people seem to be liking it as well it's getting a great going on the the Facebook video and on Twitter and everything like that. So. And we're, we're about to give it its first live broadcast here over the airways, which is very exciting as well. And very seeing exciting. as you mentioned Granny, what's Granny's name? Uh, Eileen McCarthy. Eileen, we better say From, hi uh, to, to Eileen. Say hi to Eileen and Lafan. And, and, and there's more, and there's lots of family probably still around in, in Skibbereen listening. Oh, absolutely, sure. Okay. Mac Owen Honey, that's uh, my dad. Oh, He's, um, for keeper. God's sake. So sh- we're... We're part of the furniture down there, I'd say, really. Well, listen, congratulations uh, to you and uh, thanks for taking time out to it. Will you be down Will you be down in Skib over the summer now? Will you come down again? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure, the buzz in Skibreen is huge. It's a great place to be at the moment now. Uh, all the flags and all the bunting and everything. The town is just doing great. It's yeah. It's like a mini Japan there at the moment. It's like being but at the Olympics. <laughs> listen, congratulations to you, James. And here Thank is you, James' winning song. Congratulations to uh, James and we wish everybody involved uh, with the Olympics, especially all of the Cork Brigade, all the very, very best of luck. OK, I need to give away a C103 smart speaker to the phone lines I go where Maura Roach is in Bantir. Good afternoon, Maura. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Very sunny Bantir today. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah, you've got the lovely park in Bantir. We have indeed, lovely yeah. sports field and yeah. pond, yeah. Yeah, great. And has there been lots of people out and about enjoying it? and trying to Absolutely, very busy every day. We've yeah. got uh, beautiful swans and cygnets there at the moment. Oh. And lots of people coming visiting. And are they, do the swans and cygnets, do they enjoy the fine weather? They do? do they they do, they seem to, and they're hopping they? in out of the pond, yeah. They do indeed. You have to be careful with swans, don't you, when they have small, they can be very protective. You can. They're quite vicious, actually. Yeah. Them now. yeah. Yeah, particularly for children. Keep well away. You get a slap off a swan and God, by you God, would. you'd know all about it. <laughs> you anyway, more. anyway you're the winning phrase, please. What is it? Play C103. And guess what? You've just won for yourself a smart speaker. That's brilliant, Patricia. Thanks a million. Okay, we'll get that too. Yeah, congratulations. And en- continue to enjoy the fine weather in Bantier, more. Thanks for that. Thanks, Patricia. Bye-bye. Good, uh, good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. That is Maura Roach in uh, Bantier, the, our latest winner on the C103 Smart Speaker giveaway with Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Uh, we're doing it again this afternoon with Nick and Mark in for Martina. And I've just been told we've another week of these smart speakers to give away because we've had so much fun with them. And uh, People desperate to get their hands on a smart speaker, so we're going to continue across next week uh, as well. Now, this week's Cork versus COVID is on international travel, and our reporter, Mairead Tuhik, went and spent time at Cork Airport. 
The suitcase wheels are in motion since restrictions on international travel for non-essential reasons were lifted earlier this week. Michael Dorley is owner of Shandon Travel and West Cork Travel. What we think has happened is people have made their staycation bookings for the year to make sure there was so much uncertainty about the 19th of July. So just to make sure they got a holiday, we think they've booked their staycations so we won't see uh, any much activity until, I suppose, after schools go back. Uh, and then people might start looking forward to the rest of the year and to 2022. Cork Airport has been open throughout the pandemic. Here's Head of Communications, Kevin Cullinan. London has been omnipresent uh, throughout this pandemic. That was added to last August when KLM uh, reinstated uh, the Amsterdam route. And now we have great connectivity with you know four of the largest flag carriers in Europe to major hub destinations, London, Amsterdam, Paris, and Lufthansa are now flying to, to Frankfurt. Ryanair are now flying to more of the traditional sun destinations in recent weeks. Mallorca came back on stream this week with Aer Lingus. It's also been operated by, by Ryanair. A lot of people want to reconnect with family and friends. Um, so the UK has always been our biggest market. 60% of people who ordinarily fly out of Cork Airport are going to UK destinations. While the layout of the airport has not changed, there are some differences at present that intending passengers should note. The Bank of Ireland closed its branch uh, in March of last year. The currency exchange kiosk is closed. For your magazine newspaper, um, WH Smith is currently closed in the public area, uh, but there is a WH Smith open in departures. The Loop, our retail outlet, that has remained open. And this week, AMT Coffee reopened in departure. So as passengers start to return to international travel, uh, that'll give our retail partners more confidence to start reopening some of the cafes and bars that remain closed. Michael Dorley says anyone planning a getaway abroad should check if restrictions are in place at their destination. We had a, a bunch of fellas, young fellas, went to Portugal for a week, came back after three days. There was no activity below. The whole thing was just dead. We do see quite a few people flying over and back to Spain and Portugal who own their own apartments outside or who own their own accommodation. But for your holidaymaker, not yet. And we probably, as I say, won't see any bookings with that until the kids have gone back to school. While the buzz at the terminal has returned, many are wondering about the impact of the runway closure later this year. Kevin Colnan says it's an important project. Our main runway is the only runway that is jet capable. So all of the jet aircraft that are flying out of Cork all you know, we have 22,000 uh, aircraft movements, takeoffs and landings on that runway every year. And obviously over the course of 15 or 20 years, when you have 70 ton landing on it, there's wear and tear. And that's why we're having to reconstruct, rebuild that main runway now so that we have an asset that's going to last for the next 15 or 20 years. Michael Dorley says it will benefit the future of the airport. In the short term, it's not going to have a huge dramatic effect because there isn't normally a huge amount of travel at that time. And Dublin Airport, hey, it's only two and a half hours away. So it's not as if people were locked into the country and couldn't get out. And what is happening will improve the airport and improve the facilities at the airport. So, yeah, a little bit of pain, but for good gain. Kevin says there will still be some air activity at the airport during the works. We are facilitating medical evacuations uh, and emergency rescue missions that regularly, unfortunately, happen right across the south coast. So those helicopters will be able to, to come in part of our shorter cross runway which facilitates the turbojet aircraft 
will remain open for, for some flights um, that need to operate in and out. Passengers travelling from Cork Airport can choose from six airlines flying directly to 20 continental European and UK destinations. So it's time to fasten your seatbelts and get ready for takeoff. I don't know about going to Ibiza. They've gone on the amber list, certainly in England at the moment, thanks to uh, Mairead for that report on international travel and uh, the reopening of and the lifting of restrictions on international uh, travel. OK, we're going to take a break. We're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. The movie review on C103 with the Cinemax Bantry. Get back to the real cinematic experience. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome. Okay, you went along to see Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, and your, your second movie is Don't Tell a Soul. Let me take a quick trailer from Peter Rabbit uh, 2. This year. Are you Peter Rabbit? Yeah. Take a peach. Oh, your favourite rabbit. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Is back. Oh no, Cottontail just discovered sugar. I'm gonna live forever! Peter Rabbit 2. And obviously a sequel to the first one, which was out in 2018. Yeah. And normally films like this take a very, very long time to make. And, and this should have come out earlier on this year, but because of COVID, uh, it was delayed. So it, it, it seems to have kind of come up and come out and been released very, very quickly. And you wonder how much time and thought they actually put into the script. I mean, because the first film um, was successful, did they almost straight away decide, OK, we'll do a sequel, let's get working on it straight away? Because if there's one thing that lets this film down is the script, and it's a poor script, and it has to be said. And, of course, the film just lives and dies by the quality of its script, no matter what you do. Uh, you, you know, if you, no matter what you put on screen, if the script isn't up to it, uh, then uh, it's a disappointing film. And for me, it is. I mean, the first film, I didn't particularly like it very much. I mean, I thought it was kind of very mean-spirited. 
And, um, you know, there was a lot of complaints about uh, the Peter Rabbit uh, character, which I think were justified because it was nothing uh, like it was in, in the books. And um, this Peter Rabbit was kind of aggressive and a bit mean-spirited and kind of not just naughty, but, um, but, but I, you know, it was very, very difficult to try and kind of be supportive of that rabbit because you just didn't particularly like him very much. And, um, and that was one of the criticisms of the film, and I think it was justified. With this, they've obviously listened to some of the criticisms because almost from the very, very first scene, they talk about Peter and his behavior, and he promises to kind of be better, and he promises that uh, he won't be as naughty as he used to be. And so they've obviously decided to address that. And so it is as kind of a sweeter Peter Rabbit. It is, unfortunately, and um, it's in a terrible film. And because um, when we meet uh, Donald Greeson and Rose Byrne are back again, and uh, we meet them at the very start of the movie, uh, they are getting married, and they um, are thinking of starting a family, which... Um, uh, Peter Rabbit doesn't particularly like very much. And he begins to kind of question himself and wonder whether or not he could be part of that family. Even though he now is a better behaved Peter Rabbit, his kind of mischievous past kind of comes back to haunt him uh, every now and then. Uh, there's a scene, for example, where Badger tries to take some of uh, Donald Gleason's uh, tomatoes. And as uh, Peter Rabbit is beginning to re- return the tomatoes, uh, Donald Gleason thinks that he has stolen the tomatoes. So therefore, Peter Rabbit says, look, I, I don't really belong here. And he decides, as the title of the film, he decides to run away and run away to the city. Now, animals running away to the city is a kind of a storyline we've seen many times yeah. before. And once he's there, he gets involved in it. With you know the, the naughtier side of uh, the animal kingdom uh, in the middle of uh, of the big city, and he realizes you know I could be mischievous here, I could be myself here, and nobody will know. But he begins to realize, of course, that uh, uh, you know the the behavior of um, these animals is is unacceptable, and uh, the, real, the realization that uh, he misses his family uh, begins uh, you know to to become apparent. In the meantime, Donald Gleeson and Rose Byrne decide that they will take a trip to London uh, to try and find uh, Peter Rabbit. So basically, the story is. Peter Rabbit's kind of behavior and his experiences in the big city that was Dolan Gleason and Rose Byrne um, with the other animals on board uh, try and locate uh, Peter Rabbit. Uh, Peter Rabbit. So the problem is basically down to one thing, and that is the script. I mean, it really is quite poor, and it's a bit of a shame because, um, you know, the film looks beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of filmed in parts of England that I don't know if they actually exist, but if they do, it was lovely to look at. The performances, especially Donald Gleeson, who had somebody, I think I read a review that, which said he finds many more ways to fall over, and he's very good in the, in the film as well. And the CGI animals are terrific. So the film looks, looks, and looks beautiful. The problem is, is that um, a lot of the jokes just fall flat. And the director is good at building up to a punchline. Unfortunately, when the punchline happens, either the voice cast wasn't good enough to kind of sell the line, or the line is just not good enough. Because I didn't smile or, or laugh throughout mm. any of this film. Now, I know that people say it's not for you, but I always look at something like Paddington, for example. But that wasn't Beautiful. made for me either. Beautiful movie. Exactly. Well, both of them. And, yeah. you know, from 3 to 93 can enjoy it. I think only the kids will enjoy this. Yeah, I think this will, this, will be, this will be difficult for parents, I think. And it was difficult for me. And uh, I didn't like it at all, I have to admit. And, of course, James Corden as the voice of Peter Rabbit. Um, who could be a divisive character? I know there are people yeah. out there who don't particularly like James Corden. I'm fine with him. I have no problems. But um, if, if the voice of James Corden kind of grates on you somewhat, then this then, might. Yeah. But look, the kids, the kids, if the kids love the first film, uh, they will one. love this one. Mark it out of 10? For me, it's uh, four. Four out of ten. Yeah. Okay, that's Peter Rabbit. And uh, don't tell a soul. 
which is a small movie from uh, the United States. It's written and directed by a debutant, uh, Alex McCauley. And um, I think it's a film that would have done better maybe as a kind of a 20-minute short. Um, to, to stretch it out to an hour and a half, I think, um, didn't really, really quite work. But it's okay. Um, I did enjoy it. And it's about these, uh, it's about these two brothers, one's 17, one's 15. And even though there's only two years between them, the older brother is very much a kind of uh, a brother that uh, kind of demands a lot of his younger brother. He's uh, much bigger. He's much more uh, physically aggressive and domineering over his brother. Um, their father has long gone. He's, he's, he's passed away for a number of years, and their mother is sick, and she needs painkillers. They don't have the money to do it, so they they, they get the money by petty thievery. Uh, even though the younger brother doesn't want to do it, the, the, the older brother persuades him uh, to uh, one day um, uh, break into a house, and they find $12,000 in that house. As they come out of the house, though, they come across a security guard who then chases them into the forest. He then falls down a well, which is about 20 feet deep, and they take off. The problem is, is that the younger brother, because he's the nicer of the two brothers, feels guilty about it, um, but the older brother threatens him and says, don't go anywhere near it. Um, if uh, the police find him, they will know what we did, and we will go to jail for, for, for 10 years. But because of the guilt-ridden younger brother decides that he will go and to see if the, the, the security guard is still alive, goes there and finds he is still alive and then begins kind of a relationship with him as he's down in uh, the, 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 the well. He becomes kind of an almost a, kind of a replacement brother, a kind of an almost replacement kind of father. Gives him a walkie-talkie, talks to him at night at the walkie-talkie and kind of begins to kind of care about him. He gives him painkillers because uh, the security guard has broken his ankle and says, look, don't take more than two because you will hurt your liver, you know, while still leaving him down in this well. Of course, as time goes on, the older brother begins to realize what's going on, and so therefore uh, that creates a great deal of kind of resentment and violence uh, between the two brothers. Uh, whilst Rain Wilson, who you might have uh, seen in, in, in the office, remains down as well. And Rain, of course, then tries to manipulate the young boy against his family to try and get him to kind of help them out of the well. It's very, very good. I have to admit, I, I did enjoy it way more story, than I thought then. I was going to. It's a great storyline. Yeah. Brilliant acting here. Fionn Whitehead is in it. Uh, he's a young English actor with a very good American accent. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazier uh, is also, uh, he was one of the voices in Luca recently. Ray Wilson um, is uh, the, the, the security guard. Mina Subari, though, is miscast. He's, she's cast as their mother. She still looks 21 years of age. and oh. she was. But she's the only kind of the only thing I didn't particularly like about the film, there's one great twist about 60 minutes in, which really elevated the film for me and my enjoyment of it. Uh, I would recommend it. It's a 15-16 search, I think. Uh, it's a psychological kind of drama, and uh, it has humour, um, as well as heartache and violence, but uh, I, I liked it very much. Indeed. Okay, and it's called Don't Tell a Soul. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. Okay, listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next Friday, Mark. Thank you for that. Okay. And of course, Mark, in for uh, Martina uh, this afternoon. So back with us at uh, four o'clock. That's Mark Malone, though, our movie reviewer. The movie review on C103 with the Cinemax Bantry. Get back to the real cinematic experience. A couple of final texts before we go. Hi, Trish, would you please wish the best of luck to Michelle Finn in the Tokyo Olympics? Just say it's from a Canturk man. Glad to do that. Hi, Patricia. I'm just wondering, those people who went on holidays to Spain unvaccinated, how did they get out of Ireland? How were they left into Spain? Well, they would have had a negative PCR test. You can get a digital COVID certificate by having a negative PCR test. But then, of course, you have to have another PCR test to get back on the plane to prove that you are still don't have COVID. And that's what happens. They picked up COVID while they're there. And Joe says, Patricia, the other night they showed a flight to Malaga. It was packed. Everybody was crowded into the plane. No empty seats. OK, they were wearing 
masks but they were able to take their masks off to eat in that time surely Covid had ample opportunity to spread like wildfire throughout the plane it was crazy I couldn't believe what I was uh, seeing well I think that's the advice that's coming from the likes of Neffet is to only to get into that situation is to only travel on a plane if you are uh, fully vaccinated and the, therein lies uh, the problem it's the unvaccinated people who are deciding to travel and doing everything right they don't go out to try and get Covid but unfortunately a number of them uh, did and do Okay that's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon talk to you Monday 10 to the Amputation Messenger Good afternoon Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.